This is Chris Fetters of Dogman.com, and I'm here with Scott Eklund. Day nine of practice in the books, Monday morning, and because, I guess, of the weather, they moved inside, full pads and all that. Um, it was drizzling a little bit outside when we did the post-practice interviews, but I felt that was actually nicer because where we meet in the, in the, meet, in the main uh, meeting room inside the tunnel, they, they're not heating that for yeah. some reason, and it was frigid. So, the, so it was actually it was de- halfway decent out, but it I, was a little drizzly, and I guess that's the reason to move inside, but if, I don't know. If you watched the um, morning forecast, because this time of the year I always watch them when, when we know we're going to practices, and I'm like, am I going to be outside or inside? And it was hard to tell, but um, they were predicting a huge system to come through right, right in the middle of practice. And so I think that's probably why they made the call to move inside, but they could have been, yeah, yeah, they could have easily had practice outside. Today. I think they could have, yeah. So we spoke to the defensive players and coaches after practice. We'll talk a little bit about more of that in a second. I think probably the biggest thing, full pads practice again. The biggest thing I saw was that almost all of the players were back mm-hmm. that they held out of the Friday scrimmage, yep. which kind of um, supports Kalen DeBoer's comment on Friday after after the scrimmage that they were mostly being held out for precaution. Yep. I think Vincent Nunley was the only guy I really saw, but all the big ones, even like Carson Bruner was back. You mentioned Caleb Berry was back for the first time mm-hmm. in a while. But even guys like well, Turner. Yeah, that was the and, first time all spring that I remember seeing Barry actually out there working. Yeah, but most of those other DBs were back. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it, it just was, it felt like another yeah. day. Um, Did you mention, you mentioned Bruner, right? Yeah, did mention yep. Carson Bruner was back. But he it, wasn't running with the ones. Right, yeah, the yeah. ones that we saw at linebacker today yeah. were Cam Bright and uh, Tupatala. Alfonso Tupatala. And we actually got a chance to speak with Cam Bright today, which was great. Um, got a feel for what he's about, which is interesting because everyone knows he's from Alabama originally, didn't get recruited very highly, and was actually talking about Auburn about going back, which was perfect for him because I guess he grew up an Auburn fan, but he came to Washington because he could enroll before spring, and he couldn't he couldn't enroll until the summer at Auburn, and that was the biggest thing. And that's what I've talked to people about on our boards from kids who want to come in early yeah. and participate in spring ball. It's the one advantage that schools like Washington or Oregon, because Oregon's on the quarter system too, yeah. is they don't have to be enrolled in December in order to, or I guess uh, January, to be there for spring ball. They can actually wait until the end of March. And that's huge for some of these guys, especially transfers, who might not be ready to decide on something until a little bit later. Or guys that, like Cam Bright's situation, where he probably got a chance to finish out his degree, mm-hmm. was probably able to come out and then just be like a grad student. And I only caught the last maybe minute of your guys' conversation yeah. with him because I was interviewing other people, but um, very soft-spoken. Still still gave you some good answers. I yeah, can yeah, hear yeah. that, yeah. but very soft-spoken, not very. a very loud guy. No, I think he's kind of one of those. He grew up, obviously, not a big guy for the position he's playing. And you kind of remarked, you were... You were thinking he was maybe a slightly taller. He remarked yeah. how he thought like defensive linemen here out west were taller than back east. Really? Yeah. Okay. And even some of the receivers, maybe there was a little bit more there. But uh, you know, he, he talked about how I think because he grew up shorter and smaller, he was probably undervalued or underappreciated. Mm-hmm. So I think he tried to make up for it by having a reputation as a bigger hitter, a, a more uh-huh. fierce guy, Comfort. tough guy. Yeah. Um, and so I think he takes pride in that. So I think he's kind of one of those 
you know, speak softly but carry a loud, uh, carry a big stick yeah. kind of guys. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was really good to talk to him. I wasn't sure we were going to get a chance to this spring, but clearly, I think they wanted to give him a couple weeks well, just to get settled. Yeah, in they're first. Gi- they're given all. They see, it seems like they've given all of the transfers. Yeah. Um, they've been much more open to letting us talk to them rather than Jimmy. Granted, it was a different situation last spring because we still had the COVID protocols in place. Yeah. So he just didn't – we only got like one or two players and maybe a coach. But now we're getting the big scrums, if you, whatever you want yeah, to call and it, Yeah, and it's really and, tough to like compare yeah. the two because there yeah. really are like – I don't know if we can com- completely compare it because we would have gotten – I, I have a feeling in spring ball we would have gotten a chance to talk to Bookie. At some point, but we didn't talk to him until fall camp. Right. So, um, you know, and he was one of the big transfers last year. We I, for it, sure. Um, and so, but yeah, I I uh, I've been really impressed with all of the transfers when they come in. Those guys are older. They've dealt with the media a little bit more than some of these younger guys have. Um, so they're 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 a little bit more well spoken. They know what they want to say. They know how to say it without giving away too much. All those kind of things. So right. And one thing that stood out to me. Um, Scott, again, day nine, so we're really in the middle of it now. We're past the halfway point. Yep. I think we're the enthusiasm is still there, the energy is still there, the coaches are still driving them. There's a, a lot of those same things going on. I just thought I saw a little bit more thinking, a little bit more processing. I think they're still trying to come to grips with really, really having all this stuff soak in to the point where they don't have to think about yeah. it anymore. They, I saw a lot of drops, for instance, saw a lot of missed throws. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there were some good plays, obviously, during the 11-11 we'll talk about in a second. But I thought overall I saw a little bit more sloppiness than early than on. Than we had I think, seen earlier. I think early on they were worked a little bit more on the fundamentals, making sure they had that stuff down pat. And now I think they're really just inundating them with yeah. – with, um, uh, Basically with tr- feeding them with out install. of a fire hose. Yeah, yeah. with a lot of install. Yeah. And now I think they're coming to grips with that a little bit. And I, I expect that – to start to smooth itself out by the end of this week. Yeah, um, the one that I noticed, and to your point about the, I don't want to call it sloppiness on this occasion, but um, Nick Sheridan was getting on Jack Westover because he was lined up too far outside. Yeah. And he's like, you need to be right here because when you come in on this play, you're need to, you need to take out this linebacker. This is the guy that you're supposed to block. Right. And he goes, if you're even a yard out further, He's going to beat you to the spot, and that's and, the thing on a, on a yeah. pass play, for instance. It's it is it's all about the details. Yeah. And so if if a, if a player cuts on the wrong yard, if if a, if, mm-hmm. a, if a if a if a quarterback misses him by half a beat, mm-hmm. it looks awful, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's what they're or interception or yeah, whatever. Or that's yeah. so that's what they're yeah. honing in on right now. And so you can tell that these coaches are all about detail. Yeah. And they're really honing in on those things right now. And I think right now it's like day eight, day nine, day ten, where these things really kind of come mm-hmm. to a head. They clean them up, watch the film, figure it all out. Now they're clear. They come out on Wednesday, and I expect it to be a lot cleaner. Over the weekend, I saw a comment by somebody on our board that um, they love hearing that they aren't running a lot of two tight end sets or whatever. Well, I saw a lot of two tight end sets today. Well, I, in, and I, I remarked about it. some of the stuff they were installing. Yeah, so. I remarked about it, too. They're not, they're, yeah. there's a lot, they have worked a lot with the tight ends this spring, and it's yeah. not like – it's not like Nick Sheridan's just sitting there on the on, on the beach. Yeah. I mean, he's really out there coaching these guys yeah. hard, and I think it's because they understand they've got some good players that they can use as weapons, as, as multi-purpose guys, whether it's a, even like a Caden Jumper who we, have, we haven't really seen yeah. yet. Mm-hmm. You know, that guy was a multi-purpose guy at Eatonville. I mean, he was a quarterback, smart kid. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's a guy that you can use as a Swiss Army Knife type. I mean, he, he can yeah. do a lot of different things with you. 
And, um, you know, we even remember uh, Jack Westover at the beginning of the uh, COVID year when uh, when he got the first carry of the season, like that third down carry. And that it was, was like so that weird. little dive play. Yeah. And it was Jack Westover. It's like so we've seen those guys can even run with the ball uh-huh. if they have to. So I guarantee you these are things that are not that are not amiss by the by the new staff, new Washington staff. Mm-hmm. They've seen all this stuff. Yeah. They know what they're capable yeah, of doing. Yeah, and that, that's the thing. Jack Westover, I mean, he, he might not have the – you know, size or, or, you know, the football, whatever, of Kate Otten. But, I mean, he still has soft hands. He can run. He can make plays. Devin Culp is a guy who possesses all the physical tools you want, just doesn't, you know, just has been sporadic in the times that he's been able to get it done and maybe times that he didn't get it done. So, um, you know, Quentin Moore, I, I, he came back too. I did see him out there yep. today because he wasn't at the Friday practice. Right. So. Yeah. Um, that was another one we didn't mention, but he um, he was out there, and I mean that guy. If you're just talking about walk in the room and go, that's a dude right there. Quentin Morris, that guy for sure, and because he's six five, he's about two hundred and fifty pounds. Yeah. He can run. He's got good hands when he wants to. When you know when he's focused and, and doing his stuff. I mean the re- the biggest reason he wasn't. Re- recruited out of high school by a lot of schools was because of his grades. He got his grades in order, and then he had offers from uh, several SEC schools, including Tennessee. Um, I think uh, Kansas State offered him. Several several Power 5 schools offered him. And so he chose to come back to Washington, and I think he sees himself in a role where I can make plays in this offense because of the way they use them. They aren't, we aren't just going to be blockers now, which they weren't before, but they're not just going to use us as blockers. We're going to be receivers as well. Yeah, no, they're they're yeah, a lot of routes. Yeah, a lot of routes, a lot of detail again. And yep. Sheridan, like I said, he's he's not out sipping a pina colada no. on the on the you know, he's he's out there as, as hard working as any of those. He's yelling at those there. guys. He's getting his point across. And and we also have to remember, there's the blocking part of the of the game as well. And the way these guys will run their offense, if they're using tight ends, you know they're going to use them as much in the run game as the pass game. These guys are multiple. They'll mm-hmm. run a lot of the same type of stuff that you've seen uh, with the Chris Peterson offense back in the day. I mean, they just will. I mean, there's you can only originate so many things. Yeah. The rest of it is going to be hybrids or plays off of plays that we've seen before off different formations and everything else because there's very little that's new under the sun in terms of football yeah. on offense. Now, you know, that said... I don't doubt the creativity of these guys yeah. to get something done a little different. We've seen a couple of things where it's like, oh, mm-hmm. all right, yeah, <laughs> that's I haven't that seen was that. Interesting. I haven't yep. seen that before, so that's good. There are there are a couple nice things where they, you know, we can't go into detail on what it is, but things that we haven't seen from this offense in a long, long. And time. I will also be curious to see how much they might do on Saturday when yeah. we're talking about the scrimmage that's open to the media and to the fans. Yeah. And I really hope for a good turnout that day. It sounds like the weather might even cooperate. Yeah, it sounds like it'll be still a little chilly, probably in the low 50s or whatever, but it'll be sunny, and that'll be good. Hopefully not much wind, too, so they can throw the ball around a little bit and get people excited about what we see. But, um, yeah, and, and as long as they're cool with the media covering it, which I don't know why they wouldn't because they told us we could go to it. Yeah. Um, but um, I'm, I'm not going to have a play-by-play, but I will be posting – thoughts on different things and we'll have a podcast it, we'll, talk, we'll, we'll have talk. a podcast afterwards but we'll also have our you know the i'll probably just do it on the on the uh, like a main story main page story um that people can click on and just see you know just keep updating it and see different different things from that that i've noticed in a, in a play we're not going to go in depth on what 
oh, they ran a flea flicker or, you know, anything like that. We're not going to do that. But we're going to say, hey, Dylan Morris made a really nice throw to Jalen McMillan or uh, Julius Brown made it, or I'm sorry, Julius Irvin made a, made a great play on a ball and picked it off or something like that. So, so um, we will have, you'll get, you'll get a lot more out of, uh, this Saturday's practice and next Saturday's practice, the spring preview. And, and speaking of Julius Irvin, just for those people that think he might be buried in the depth chart or what have you, he was the starting safety in the in the number one eleven today Cook, with Alex yeah. Cook. So, who knows? And he had he had what probably I called it. I said it probably would have been a sack if they were in a game situation, right? On a um, you know on a late rush that he comes in and and makes a play on on Michael Penix and Penix doesn't get rid of it in time and he ends up spiking it in the ground. But I think. That Urban would have hit him before he actually. Yeah. And I think that. that's indicative. You're going to see a lot more. I mean, not a lot more attacking events. Yeah. I think Jimmy Lake was was, you know, I think he had his fair shares at of times. places at times. Yep. But I think in general, you're going to see more because I think you're going to see him come from different people. Yeah. Not just different angles, but different people. Yeah. Um, but going back to the, I want to focus a little bit more on the quarterback position. Um, Damon Heward was here for the first time I've seen this spring. He was here with the with Kennedy's head coach with with Sam's, Sheldon Cross. Sheldon Cross, um, Sam's old head coach. They were really obviously focused on what was going on with the quarterbacks. Um, don't want to dampen on Sam's parade at all, or even Dylan Morris's for that matter. But I just get the sense more and more I see it. I mean, Michael Penix was the number one guy that came out today. Mm-hmm. That's not indicative of anything per se, but just the more mm-hmm. I see, the more I see him work, especially in the 11-on-11s, there was a couple plays where he just went through progressions and it was boom, 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 boom. Yeah, And it was and it was really impressive, and I, I'm getting the sense more and more I'm starting to think that Michael Penix is going to be the guy. Yeah, I am too. Um, there was that one play in the 11-on-11 session that we saw today, after the sack, actually. It was after yeah. the sack that he took. Um, he started off to the left side of his field, and you could see him, one, two, hit look at somebody across yeah, the he middle. just scanned literally from the left sideline yeah. all the way across and hit like his third or fourth read yeah yeah and i think it was Millen on the other side and it was side. down the it was what 15 probably 15 20 yard play yeah. um and he was open he yep. was open i mean and it was, was well blocked that that's what gave him the time yeah. to get to get the throw off was that it was well blocked too. yeah and that's one thing when we do talk to the offensive players and coaches on wednesday hopefully get a chance to talk talk to scott huff a little bit and find out just the differences between what they were trying to get accomplished last year between that and, and what they're trying to get accomplished now and how that's fitting with the guys that they have because I, I get the sense that these guys are, are taking yep. it well and they're, they're, they're doing what they need to do. And they, they have offered uh, a fair bit of protection at times. But, again, mm-hmm. we haven't really seen them. We haven't seen them scrimmage, so we don't know about full yeah. contact. We don't know, you know, how – I'm assuming the quarterbacks have never been live. Mm-hmm. Um, very, very few. Even, even Jimmy Lake, as, as much live ball as he wanted to play – Quarterbacks were never Quarterbacks live. were, they were live a couple times, but we're talking like short yardage, mm-hmm. goal line type stuff, stuff where I don't think they would, if they got touched, something, something was wrong, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of situation. Um, the one thing I would add to is I saw a drill that the quarterbacks did today that I was really, really intrigued with. Only in the, again, it was one thing I've never seen any other coach do before, and I don't know why. But it really struck me as, as interesting because it makes total sense. And what it was was, just to set the scene, the quarterbacks are looking at throws down the field left and right. So they have guys maybe 10 yards left and right down the field. And they've got a... a was G- it the tackling dummy thing that they... It was, it was the one where they have the guys that have those... <coughs> 
They have the yeah, yeah the hands the up. hands yeah. the big big hands to kind of simulate like a defensive lineman or an edge player coming up on him. And it was basically a drill to try to throw and be accurate while being literally thrown off your spot. So when they're they're being pushed around and they're they've got these things these clubs coming down on them, and they've got to try to throw to one of these other quarterbacks yeah. down the field. And for the most part, they were pretty accurate. A couple of them hit the hit the hands, and mm-hmm. but the whole idea is is to try to throw under legitimate yep. pressure mm-hmm. and guys literally in their face. And, and still feel like you can get the job done and get the ball to where it needed to be. And like I said, I've never seen that drill run before by any other quarterback coach while I've been here at Washington. It may be, maybe they've done it at different periods when we haven't been watching. But again, that struck me as really interesting. And again, I thought all three of the scholarship quarterbacks did a pretty decent job with it. But the, not, not only were they trying to get into their throwing lanes with the big hands, but they were literally trying to bump them off of, off balance, yeah. So they could literally try to throw while simulating some legitimate pressure and and hands getting on them. So um, I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Um, and one thing that people um, might not know is because we only really talk about the three scholarship quarterbacks, but there's yeah. actually six quarterbacks out there. Yeah. There's Tyson Lang, number fourteen. Uh, number seventeen is Jake Kern, and number twenty is Teddy Purcell. And then also Andrew Sermon. Oh. And Andrew Sermon, I'm sorry, that's yeah. right. He, he, I for some reason I had it in my head. He's he not was, on the. He's not yeah, on the, he's new not on the list. Yeah. So, so there's seven guys out there. Yeah. So they're they're repping through. I saw a lot of the quarterbacks throwing on the side and doing different stuff too. And those walk on quarterbacks when they go to the eleven on eleven, they're the ones signaling in place. Right, and then also sometimes there's multiple drills where the running backs may need uh, quarterbacks to help them with the zone read, like the yep. handoffs, uh-huh. things like that. So that they'll use the the walk on quarterbacks. To simulate if the other quarterbacks are like doing another drill where they're throwing, yeah. for instance. So it's really nice to have that number in case the quarterback numbers get spread thin with a couple different um, drills that they're doing. So yeah, it's really really mm-hmm. important to have good scholarship, good good walk on quarterbacks on to supplement the scholarship yeah. guys too. Yep. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So, um, in, in terms of recruiting, there wasn't see, really any. There, there was some guys. recruits, but I think they were more a high school that was. Yeah, Courtney Morgan by. was there with a couple yeah. guys, um, but yeah, it didn't look like a yeah. big day for recruiting. Again, I don't know if the weather, you know, holds them off. I don't know if that means that school is back in session now. Spring break is over for a lot of people were, down in California. They had several kids who were on spring vacation. That's why they were yeah. able to come up. Yeah, um, there was spring vacation last week for. A couple local guys too. That's why they came up, um, but they might also be saving a lot of guys instead of having them come up midweek to come up for the big scrimmage on Saturday. Yep. When all the fans can be there. Well, okay. I mean, how many people are actually going to come? I don't know, but you know, um, that's something that uh, you know. I, I think they might be saying, "Hey, we're going to be on a full scrimmage on either Friday and Saturday." You should come up Friday and then be here for those. Well, two and Saturday's also the coaches' clinic too, Scott. Yeah. And so they, their coaches might bring players. Bring with players them. up, yeah. Um, so that might be a good opportunity for actual schools to come in. Yep. 
and be involved with that as well. Yep. And again, we're hoping, you know, knock on wood, fingers crossed, all that, that Good the weather one. holds, yeah. and it'll be a decent day. Yeah, you know how it is up here when they predict something six days out. Yeah. You just, <laughs> I mean, they, they predicted in the seven-day forecast, and you're just like, yeah, yeah, talk to me on Thursday. Then then I'll, I'll oh, no, for sure. what you're going to say. With the way that the winds have come through yeah. and the storms, you really, yeah, 24 hours yeah. out, if you're lucky. What's funny is I, I usually watch uh, Fox 13 for my, my uh, um, newscasts or yeah. whatever. I just we, we just ended up on that, and I just I like the people on there. Yeah, they're all, almost all of their uh, weather people are new, and relatively new, like within the last six to twelve months. Yeah. And you can see these people because one of them came from Arizona. Well, don't you just say it's going to be hot today in yeah. Arizona and hot and that, yeah, hot and, hot, hot and sunny, hot and sunny. That's about it, yeah. right? So she comes up here, and she's the main forecaster. Her name's Lisa Villegas or Villegas, yeah. and um, she came in really well, but you can see that there's times where she's just like, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> you, guys, you guys have actual seasons yeah. up there. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, and then another guy, he's actually from here originally, but he had been back on the East Coast and everything like that. So you could just see them like going, I guess this is what, this is what the models tell us are going to happen, but yeah. we don't know if it actually is going to happen, you know, so. That's kind of funny. The days of Harry Wappler. Yes, I know. Or Jeff Renner. <laughs> Jeff Renner. Yeah, those guys. So, yeah. Steve Poole. Steve Poole. Yep. He was there for a long time. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, that weather and segment. he started out with, with uh, sports, too, didn't he? Yeah, that segment yeah. was brought to you by the Weather Channel. Yeah. Um, anything we want to finish up yeah. with? I'm, I'm trying to think. I, I talked to Anoke Brechterfield. Yeah, we, we'll um, talk a little bit about the post-practice. Okay, interview. okay. Yeah, so as far as practice, no. I mean, there was a big play by Dylan Morris to Nick Duran, yeah. a walk-on wide receiver. Um, I think you're right, though. I think it was a busted, busted play coverage. Yeah, I, yeah, it looked like it because there was nobody back there, yeah. and he just he went right by his guy, who I think thought he had safety help over the top. Yeah, and didn't happen. And and so. to and, and and to to give a kudo to Dylan Morris, that ball was thrown really really well because sometimes quarterbacks, if they have a tendency to see something break down defensively. They may just lay it up and think, well, I don't want to overthrow it. Yeah. I, I want to make sure I he get it to the guy. But yeah. he threw it perfect. He didn't He didn't let what the defense was doing deter him from making it was the right almo- throw. It was almost like he was throwing on air, Yeah, basically. Yeah, so. and it was a great play. Because the other one that you, you were going to mention, I think, was the, the breakup of Zachary Spears. Uh, was that on Taj Davis? Taj Davis, yeah. yeah. But that throw was was underthrown. Oh, it was underthrown. It, it still pro- it would have been a tough because Zakari had him covered pretty oh, well. Yeah. No. It would have been a tough completion anyway. But it was the thing is he came to him late, so he went to the left, went to the right, and then threw it over the top down the middle. And I think he just threw it late. I think he came back to that receiver late, and so he didn't. He maybe he didn't set his feet enough or something. I don't know. No. Because Dylan has plenty arm to get it out there. Right. So I, I don't know if he just came to it late and didn't set his feet right or whatever. But it's interesting. I think they, they do like Zachary Spears as being mm-hmm. a really big, he's so long. active corner. Yeah, he's Which so I would have thought maybe he would have been moved to safety. Because yeah. um, they're not huge on safety. With, with Nunley out, obviously that affects things yeah. a little bit. But um, I would have thought that they would have been curious Especially since it feels like the first four cornerbacks, mm-hmm. they're not set in stone, obviously, because they're just in the middle of spring. But you're looking at Mish Powell and, and Jordan Perryman were the number ones today, backed up obviously by uh, Jacoby Covington and Elijah Jackson. Those four have feel they felt like the four that they've really been rotating in and out of those top two uh, the, in the depth chart all spring. And then if there's a fifth guy, 
it's probably Devon Banks right now. Yeah, Devon Banks again uh, to to, rem- to let people um, to remind people. Friday he had two picks according to Kalen DeBoer after the, uh, during the spring scrimmage, so he's coming on. And then I swear to God, I've I've seen some issues or some situations where Cam Fabiolan and his played some yep. corner. Um, so I think there's times where they've. I don't know if they've had both him and and Dominique Campton in in, in there together, because mm-hmm. um, because if they did, I think Fabi Kalanen would be the corner, and Campton's been pretty solid mm-hmm. at the Husky position, pretty much all spring. Yeah, um, not necessarily the number one Husky, but pretty yeah. much just playing Husky at this yeah. point. Yeah, the, and I mean Zakari Spears, if he can put on a little more, just a little bit more beef, maybe like five to ten more pounds, he'd be a perfect fit at that Husky spot because he's yeah. got that length. And he's big, yeah. Um, so we'll, we'll we'll just have to see. But they also like his length outside too. So you know, we'll just see. Yeah, and it is interesting because in talking to um, to Julius Brown, there they even though they use bigger players at that position, it's not like they're they're adverse to, to playing guys that were more in the size of a bookie mm-hmm. uh, or a Miles Bryant, for instance, because Dyson uh, Dyson McCutcheon yeah. is a guy who plays there. Uh, they like Beach Powell there. So you could maybe see Mish Powell being at the Husky when they bring in bigger corners like a, a Covington or Elijah Jackson or Zachary Spears if they wanted to play there yeah. or Perryman. Mm-hmm. I mean, all those guys are, are fairly decent sized six foot corners. to six two, yeah, yeah. So yep, you know, it depends. I think they've got enough body types and enough range to be able to do something there. Um, to talk about some of the post practice stuff. Uh, you did talk to Devon Banks. Yeah. Um, it was a tough did, you talk, did you talk a little bit? <laughs> you talk at all a little bit about his journey here? Yeah. It's his, well, it's I his, asked. Yeah. I asked about it, and yeah. he. And, but I thought he'd go a little bit more in depth and stuff, and he just talked about how he just kept the faith. You know that I knew I could play at this level, and I knew somebody was going to see me and want want me to come play for them, and so and. That was how he ended up at Washington. I mean, when I when he committed to Washington, I got the full story from him, how he got called by the, by the coaches and said, hey, are you healed up because we're looking for an extra defensive back, and if you want to come down to our Redlands camp, um, we'll, we'll take a look at you and we'll see what, what you got. And they were ready to offer him even before that, but they wanted to see him one more time. And then they made the offer to him, and he, he told me, I, I went back and looked at the story on him, and it said um, that he didn't even know if they finished the sentence of you have an offer from the university. He goes, I, I, I commit. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so he said, yeah, I don't even know if I, I let him get the full sentence out because I was so ready to commit. And, yeah. and he just said, I, just, it's just, I, I believed in myself and I knew that I could play at this level. So. You also spoke to Jacoby Covington a little bit? Yeah, I spoke to him for a little bit. Um, he, he said that... He made a mention that he never once thought about leaving the yeah. University of Washington, in which I don't want to say it surprised me a little bit, but that's a guy who probably could go in a lot of places. Well, it is kind of funny, Scott, because just not on a, a real tangent, but just to kind of talk yeah. a little bit about that. You know, a year ago, you wouldn't have ever really thought about asking a player in spring unless unless – they were thinking publicly about the transfer board, yeah. like if they had announced something, if Twitter or something like that. Now it's almost like you feel like you're you're almost you compelled to. to ask every single guy. Yeah. What was your thought process? Well, especially because you you've got a free you got a free transfer anytime yeah. you want to go. And especially with the new staff coming in, exactly. It isn't like these coaches recruited him, right? And um, the guys that he was recruited by, uh, Will Harris and Jimmy Lake. I mean, Terrence Brown didn't even recruit him, right? Because he came in during when Jimmy Lake was still the defensive coordinator. 
and secondary coach. Right. And Will Smith, Will Harris was just the like assistant secondary coach, right. you know, at that time. And so, um, yeah, you have to ask now, especially with the new coaching staff. You have to ask, and, and especially when we had heard that there were a bunch of players ready to go. Yeah. And they came in, they met with Coach DeBoer, and what, what I can't remember off the top of my head, is like five guys decided to transfer. Right. But that number feels very low. Low compared now. to in what hindsight. we had heard. Yeah, because we had heard it could be 15 to 20 guys. Yeah. And, 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 and let's be clear, I think the, the new staff did a phenomenal job mm-hmm. of, of not only explaining how it was going to be, but being extremely transparent about it mm-hmm. and being upfront about you know what the expectations were, but yeah. then understanding that yes, if, if you don't think this is in your best interest, you should you know you should really look yeah. somewhere else. Yeah. That said, I would not be surprised if there are a few more guys that leave yeah. after spring because that happens a lot as well. You know, once you know, for instance, like the we saw it with the, we've seen it with the quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Uh, almost it feels like every single year. Yep. Whether it was a sermon, whether it was Garbers. Uh, Garbers whether who was the other one? Yankoff. Uh, Yankoff. I mean, it feels like that always happens. And Jake so. Hainer did it right before the season. Yeah, and, and yeah, before, that's, before, that's rare. Before fans jump off the bridge, I don't not, think any, I don't think any of the guys are going to. Yeah, I don't, I don't think, think any of the three scholarship yeah, guys no, are going to leave either. after this spring. I'm not predicting that. I'm just simply saying that is one example where yeah. you know everyone may feel like oh they're settled everything like that, but I think it's important that. The, that staffs not just at Washington but almost anywhere in America now with the free transfer uh, the one time free transfer you almost feel like you've got to have one or two in your back pocket just because right, you, you never know, know who's yeah. going to be available and it may be a guy that the Fresno State coaches had had recruited like like a Dumas for instance you know we found out Aaron Dumas was going to commit to Fresno State but he ended up in kind of the the Rippin situation when yeah. Browning committed yeah. Rippin's all of a sudden like Oh my God! I, the place I wanted to go is not there anymore. I still remember that text, by yeah. the way. So, That's a thing for another day. Yeah, but, but yeah. I mean, but but that goes to show Dumas he wanted to, to be coached by Lee Marks, and so now a year later, yeah. now he gets to now do he it. Gets to do it. Well, and I remember when um, uh, Keith Hayward came up here as part of Steve Sarkeesian's staff. Yeah, he had recruited um, the cornerback who uh, is, is with the Ravens. Um, Marcus Peters. Marcus Peters. Yeah, he recruited Marcus Peters to Oregon State and thought he had him, and then Washington just made a huge push on him yeah. and got him. And then when uh, Demetrius Martin moved on, right, and Hayward got hired in, he goes, "Oh, I get to finally work with the kid." Uh-huh. He goes, "I knew he was going to be a stud." Well, so, and this and this is yeah. why I feel like ultimately, when the staff, whether you're talking about those types of transfers, when you talk about things coming around that way, when you think about like NIL, for instance. That's why I think just being transparent and upfront with guys and creating that relationship that can last mm-hmm. will always pay dividends for you because there you know nine times out of ten you may never ever see that kid ever again, but that one time when you may revisit them and they may want to come uh-huh. and see you that's when it pays off so well the and what people need to remember I'm this is getting back to the times when kids transfer so May first is when the players have to be in the transfer portal right to in order to play. And that's fall literally what, or winter. That's the day days? after. That's day the after. day after. That's the day after. Yeah. It's the next day. Yeah. So, so, I mean, we we're gonna have to be on it on spring game. We're gonna have to be by our computers. But that's the because thing. Because yeah. you could see ten announcements that but, day. But the also I mean, the thing about it too. Thinking about that, this is not a kid 
who plays spring game and then an hour later decides to announce. No, they've been thinking been, about it yes, the whole time. The, yeah. These are announcements where there are guys already on the team right now that I guarantee you have already made inroads, have talked to their parents, have talked to family members who can reach out to other programs, or all or, that stuff. Or former teammates or guys yep. they knew that are on other teams. All that stuff's yeah. going on, and I guarantee you this coaching staff is reaching out to their contacts because I guarantee you their guys have been reaching out to yeah. other guys, mm-hmm. and they've made inroads. So these incomings and outgoings, this yeah. is just part of the portal now. now this is yeah. just the it way it goes. It isn't like the NFL where you have that time between the end of the season and the draft. Yeah. Where you know that's the ninety five percent of the free agent pickups yeah. happen during that time, right? And or and I'm talking the big name pick free agent pickups. You know the guys who could be playing at their old team, but they were free agents, so they went on the market and found a better deal, right? That's what. But in college football, it can happen anytime, right. and that's why I personally think a rule needs to be put in place. I know it's by March first. I'm sorry, May 1st, to actually play that year. But that I go back to that example of the Utah quarterback, and I don't remember his name, who, who won the starting job but then played so poorly that Cameron Rising came in and became the quarterback. Yeah. And then he transfers out. Yeah, the yeah. Utah guy. And ends up um, redshirting, being able to redshirt. That's why I think they just totally need to take the redshirt away. And just give them five years of eligibility. Well, you and Chris Peterson. Yeah, That's, I mean, the Chris Peterson well, talked about there's that a lot of every coaches, year. But to me, I didn't think it made as much sense before. But I do now. If guys are going to transfer mid-season so they can save a year of eligibility, yeah. just say, "Hey, here's five years." Because if that guy had stayed there, he would have been the one trying to save the day in the Rose Bowl, rather than the walk-on. Yeah, and ironically enough, those. Players that are coming into school just now aren't getting the benefit yep. that the guys that would have come in like in 2020, for instance, because mm-hmm. the guys that came in in 2020, they're essentially getting five for five. Yeah, they. I mean, they're not in. They're in getting not, six years to play five seasons. But of I football, mean, they're getting yeah. the full five years of eligibility. Yeah. Yep. They yes, they get that sixth year, but they they really get the full mm-hmm. five years of eligibility if they want mm-hmm. it. Um, and so that's that's what's kind of unfortunate. It's because they're just because of the of the of the COVID yep. situation. You are getting that class of guys, you know, 19, even yeah. the guys before them for a couple of years. Guys, let's say they redshirted in 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 1920, then 2021, they literally come into the 21 22 this last season as as redshirt, as, as redshirt freshmen, yeah. and so they still haven't played, but they have now they still have five, they have four years, yeah, and they've already been there too, yeah. That's, so physically, you're going to see guys who are in their like almost mid twenties. Yeah, um, with some of these guys. So, so just to, yeah, go let's back, wrap it up. Lo, I was yeah. just going to go back to finish with the post practice stuff. Yeah, you talked to your guys. I talked to to Coach Inge. Uh-huh. Who, again, I asked him about what it was like to recruit these guys back to 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 UW. He's like, it, you know, it's all about re-recruiting your guys now because of the portal. So it's like, yes, even guys that you feel 100 percent confident of, you've got to be in constant contact with them. Because you never know what taking their temperature. Yeah, you always have to yeah, be doing where it. Are you at? And of course, they didn't know this staff from from Boo, so you know it was constantly trying to make sure that they understood what was going on, and also giving them all the information yeah. they needed in case they wanted to go somewhere else. And then um, talked to him a little bit about Cam Bright and his situation because we did talk to Cam a little bit later, and talked about what was it about his particular situation. And he really, the one thing he said about Cam Bright that that 
was almost above all others in the portal when it was looking at those linebackers was leadership. Mm. He said that was the biggest thing. He goes, we knew we were going to have a young group coming in. We needed a guy that could really come in and stabilize things and really kind of lead the show. And it's been, I think it's been interesting for Cam Bright to kind of almost assume a leadership role right away because even though uh, Eddie Ulofocio has been around, he hasn't been practicing. So I don't know what his input's been like off the field, which I, I assume it's going to be still huge. Yeah. But on the field, he's really had to almost kind of assume that. And um, and even guys like Alfonso Jupitala, Inge was saying, has really stepped up and almost yeah. assumed one of those kind of leadership type positions. He totally positions, has. Which is, which is huge for him. Yeah. I mean, that's a big jump. So the expectations on him, on him have been really big. Talked a little bit about Daniel Hamuli, who showed up a little bit today as well. So that was really good. And then I talked a little bit earlier about Camp Bright, and it, that was yeah. a really interesting conversation. Yeah, and I talked to Inoki Brechterfield and um, – Jacoby Covington. We've already kind of talked about Covington a little bit. Brechterfield, basically, he was really – maybe his guys didn't have a good practice today. I don't know, but he wasn't real. he didn't look real. Yet. I don't want to say salty, just more not wanting to talk. Okay. You know, he didn't want to give as much. I mean, uh, it, was, it was two and a half, three minutes. Usually we get a little bit more with the coaches. He only wanted to do about two and a half, three minutes. And uh, I asked him about if he had guys separating themselves. Yeah. And he says, oh, yeah, I've got six guys. I said, do you care to share who those six guys are? And he was like, yeah. He goes, you know, I've got Thule and and uh, Voy and Quo and um, and uh, trying to um, Bandis? Jacob Bandis. And he said Draco Bynum's been rotating in a little bit more. But yeah, that's, I swear to God, I saw him yeah, with the ones. Today. Yeah, and but that he said part of that's because Fatui Tuitele right. is out. Right. And he said so Draco's been able to step in and get the, those reps, and then MJ coming over has so he's like he's got a, i've got six maybe seven guys well one of the names he left out was noangalu yeah you know and i'm like okay because noah i mean i if anyone watched his high school film that guy just destroyed plays right and he doesn't do that here and maybe it's because they've got him playing a different position maybe it's because he was playing at that small school that he played at and his team was really good so people couldn't just focus on him it, so whatever but he he was in the backfield a lot in high school and i just don't haven't seen him be a difference maker here he's just kind of a guy so um that was kind of interesting to me that draco bynum was getting a little bit more mentioned than noah Galu. yeah but but bynum is considered a veteran now i mean he has been around haven't Mm -hmm. seen a ton of him on the field in terms of actually playing games and such but in terms of what he's supposed to know you would think he's he's got a lot of knowledge under his belt now it's just a matter of turning that into action mm-hmm. and making it happen. Yeah, I think he committed to Washington in the spring of 2018. I think it was spring ball in 2018. Because yeah, I remember him being up there and, and one of the one of the, um, one of the coaches on, on Peterson's staff kind of elbowed me and he goes, he goes, hey, see that guy over there? He just committed. And then he just walked away from me. I'm like, <laughs> and I didn't know who he was because I had never seen Draco in person at that point in time. So. Right. But yeah, I mean, it was it was uh, it was interesting to get his thoughts on some things, especially after because we got I think we got his thoughts on the first day of practice, right? And we haven't really talked to him since then. So, um, he you know, with all the stuff that he had to say, yeah, twenty eighteen. Well, I was going to say too that he uh, people may may forget that he was invited to play in the in the army you know, army American game, yeah. yeah. So he. Yeah, he was a player back in the day. Yeah, he was. He just this, has never, he never really. I think he's always been such a tweener 
at the position. He doesn't we, look like he's put on any weight. But at times, yeah. Size. But at times, well, he's listed at two eighty two, which is crazy because I think he came he in. He came at like, in like at two fifty five, but it yeah. doesn't look that way. Well, and then there was always the thoughts of maybe he would move to tight end, move to the other side of the ball, yeah. see what happens. And it's always he's always stayed on defense, and now. Yeah. You know, technically he's a defensive lineman, but could he play more of an edge? I don't know. I mean, I, I think that there's room there, but clearly, like you said, with with Fatui Tuatele not playing, he's getting that opportunity hey, to be take, like that third you guy You got to take inside. advantage of that. You got to take advantage of that. Yeah, more so. power to him. Yeah, I'd love to see it. Um, other than uh, starting to wrap things up uh, again, quick basketball update. Really, nothing new. Other than obviously Noah Williams had signed. He's officially now. He's signed with him, along with Corin Johnson, officially signed the guard out of Garfield. So those two guys. Are, are in for sure. Um, still, I think it's the the three for two with the bigs. They're looking for a couple bigs. You've got the three guys. You've got the 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 king, the big guy, which is Farlas uh, Amac from Utah Valley, who's the big piece. I think he's looking at you know Gonzaga, Washington, Texas, Texas Tech, uh, Iowa. I think are his final five. Some heady company. Yeah, and and pro and also the NBA. I mean, he's yeah. waiting. I think for evaluations from the NBA. To come back because he did. People don't maybe know this, but he actually uh, opted out to test the NBA waters last year. That that one time you can do it, and then went back to Utah, Utah Valley for a second year. So they're looking at him. They've got uh, Frank Kepnang from uh, Oregon. They're waiting on to see what he's going to do, and then Isaiah Cottrell from West Virginia. They're waiting to see what he can do. He's already visited, so um, that's just kind of a holding pattern right now. That something could happen today. Something could happen a week from now, a month from now. You know, who knows? I mean, we're just kind of at the whim of whatever those particular guys' process are. But it does feel like, at this point, it feels like there's three guys out there that they're really honed in on for two positions at this point. Because yeah. they've got they've got six scholarship scholarships that they could fill. They've already filled the three with the three high school kids in Corn Johnson, Tyler Linhart, and Keon Minifield. And then they've got Noah Williams is four, and so they've got two left. And so there's and they want him for bigs. And they yeah. want him for bigs because no Nate Roberts anymore. He's gone. No Riley Sorn. No, no, no oh, Riley. Well. well, we don't know. Yeah. Well, we assume Riley Sorn's gone. I don't think we've seen anything yeah. official yet, but we assume that that's probably going to happen. So yes, those, that, yeah. that would be. Sorry if I. I <laughs> doesn't on matter. That. I mean, it is what it is. But um, anything else? Just to kind of wrap things up. Uh, no, just this is the busiest week of spring for us. Four um, practices. Four practices. So. Uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, and then next week is Tuesday, not Monday. So Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. Yeah, that's gonna so, be interesting. Yeah, it's it. Like I was like, oh crud, I've got something scheduled. Why did I do? Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> so instead of getting so instead of getting Saturday Sunday off, we're gonna get Sunday Monday off. Yep. So what it, it, it is yeah. what it is. Yeah. Hey, hey we I, fight through I, the. I'm gonna days. be honest with you. When I looked at five weeks, I was like, "Geez, we're gonna drag this out over five weeks." But it's been nice not having to be here on Saturdays. Well, we're already in. We're already in the fourth week. Yeah. So it's, it's gone pretty fast. Yeah, it does go by a lot faster. But I actually like not having to be here on a Saturday. Um, you know, unless it's a big thing like what we're, we're going to be doing this weekend. Yeah, having one Saturday so. in sp- or two Saturdays in spring is that's easy. Perfect. Yeah, perfect. That's so. easy. And especially, like I said, with the fans around, because. Hey, trust me, we love people paying us to give our opinions on all this kind of stuff, but I'm still fully of the opinion that I want the fans to come out and make yeah. their own assessments. Yeah. I don't want them to sit there and say, we know what's going on, or Mike Varel knows what's going on, or Christian Capel, or Softy, mm-hmm. or whoever. It, you guys need to come out, and you guys need to form your own opinion. So I want to try to see as many fans at the Saturday yeah. scrimmage as possible, because this is they're opening it up for you guys. 
And even even in their heyday, Washington just never got a ton of fans for spring game. And I think that yeah. that should change. I don't understand why that's always been. I think the, the case. most I've ever heard of was it's just it was 10, under ten thousand. Yeah, and I think that was right around the turn of the millennium. Like even when they were like the Rose Bowl season. Yeah, and it was so nice out. It was like in the eighties, and it was perfect out. And 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 it was right. At, I think it was almost right at the same time when the draft was going. Yeah, and it was just it just seemed like a perfect day for football. And even then, they could only draw like around ten thousand. It just felt like, mm-hmm. what? Where, I mean, I know it's a perfect day out, but just one less yeah. day on the boat, one less day at the beach, check things out. You're not even curious. That's just not the way people think. One less, anymore. one less day especially in the hills. around, especially on the west coast. Yeah. If you're if you're talking east coast or southeast or midwest. Well, and I just posted that on the boards. Yeah. I said, you know, people talk about. You know, the open scrimmage, and people are like, well, there's only going to be like 500 people show up. And I'm like, if there was an open scrimmage in Georgia or Ohio They'd State. They'd have at least like, ten to 20,000. At least. Easy. And spring game is, is, is like a regular game. Yeah. It's like a regular game. Well, they talked about I, I was reading up on it because Ohio State did their, had their um, had their Scarlet thing in. whatever they, game. They seat 100,000 in their stadium, right? Yeah. So um, one of the recruits that they were talking to said, yeah, there were only 60,000, but it was still really loud. I was like, <laughs> only 60,000? 60, yeah. God, we, they, Washington would have to have like 20. 60,000 for a spring game would be have that. would be like, yeah. a, like a world record out west. We would go. Nobody has that. I mean, Oregon usually has the most attended ones, get, and those are 20? like 25 or 30 yeah. at the most. Yeah, they're so. not even filling. They're, they're getting maybe half of their yeah. stadium filled at most. Yeah. So. And that's and that's really that's impressive. impressive. That's yeah. really impressive. So I I just I don't know what it'll take out here. I just I don't think the culture is here for any West Coast team. And it's, I, and it's never. Yeah, it's never. It's been never there. been that way. Um, but you know maybe Utah, maybe. Yeah. But they're in Salt Lake City. There's stuff to do there. Yeah. You know, for some of these, for Athens, Georgia. I mean, there's not a lot to do in Athens, Georgia. Now, Atlanta's only, what, 45 minutes away or an hour, hour or whatever away, it is. Yeah, something like that. So, but people just, it's a religion down there. Yeah. You set your, people set their vacation plans around that. Yeah. And that just doesn't happen around here. Yeah, I was going to say, it's not like their weather isn't nice or something. No. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> you know, so I, I but just, they're used to the nice days this time of the year. Yeah, exactly. So. All right. All right. Yeah, it's called good. Okay. I, I, I thought it was a good, good, uh, time for us to actually see because we were down low what, what people don't know is we were down low because it was the Dempsey so we we're like at we're on field level on field level yeah. and I think it's easier to see on field level Penix go through those three reads than maybe if we're sitting up a little bit further I don't know not, not me but I, but I, you I, might be but I, I for, for me, me I, for me I want to see I want to get the depth perception yeah for me I was watching him and I was just looking right at him and I watched him go boom 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 and then make his throw yeah so well the one thing about being there right on the sidelines is that it's it's very concentrated it's you're very mm-hmm. focused on literally what's going on there because you can't like when you when you're 10 rows up in the stadium you you've got a whole panorama yeah. view so it's easy to try to your mind and your eyes can wander a little mm-hmm. bit Whereas when you're looking on the yeah. sideline, you're looking specifically at what's going on with the ball. Mm-hmm. And so that, that way it does train your mind and your eyes a little bit more on focus on specifically what's going on. Just but wrapping it up, I, I thought it was a good practice, and uh, it was good to talk to the people. We got. I'm glad we got to talk to Cam Wright. Yeah, so. no, it was great. And also just a reminder for everyone, if you want to get on our daily digest, our email digest, just send an email to huskystadium at gmail.com with the subject line newsletter. 
Again, huskystadium at gmail.com is the email address. And just put newsletter in the subject line. That's all you have to do. Send it to us, and we'll get your name put on our mailing list for our Daily Digest. And during spring, we'll put at least one uh, Daily Digest out a day, if not more. And we do it with breaking news on commitments or any sort of other breaking news that's out there. So please get on that list. And you list. want to be on it because the ba- I, basketball stuff is going to pick basketball up Basketball stuff's picking yeah. up, too, and obviously recruiting stuff's picking up, too. Yeah, because May evaluation periods. Yeah, up. I mean, they just Washington just got recent you know commitments on, uh, for transfers for football as well as some high school kids. So that's always going on. Yeah. So for Scott Eklund, this is Chris Fetters of Dogman.com. Go dogs. Go dogs.